We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Brian, so I want to get into Stanford here now, obviously. A it's a it's a it's a interesting team. It's an interesting team. I, I I'm I'm trying to think of better words to describe Stanford, but we knew that coming into the year that they were going to be kind of dilute in talents, which they are. But I will say this a couple games, I've been pretty impressed as far as the compete yeah. level of this team. Like they are not a team that's backing down, they're just a team that is unfortunately short on talents as just, of right now. yeah they're they're young in some spots they're not very talented the roster was completely ravaged by years of poor recruiting and the portal you know look a guy that started for stanford last year started against notre dame for a team that beat notre dame this year you know when you think of stephen heron at, at louisville they they lost a ton they lost a ton and some of their guys left and went to places and and you know they're they're doing well now some are some are you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of players. Like, if you bring them back, this team could have done something. Because here's the thing, Ryan, and and when I watch this football team, I actually think they're pretty well coached, at, at least on offense. And the other thing, they play hard. Play very hard. Like when they get blown out, they're not getting blown out because they just checked out and nah. don't want to be there. They're getting blown out because they're just not good. But to yeah. your point, when you look at their schedule, Ryan, and we'll bring up their schedule here in a second, but like. Yeah, they've got some blowout losses, but they also have some very competitive losses against teams that are pretty good football teams right now. And that's something where when you, when you watch when you watch um this Troy Taylor era, the the David Shaw era had just kind of gotten stale. And I and I'm extremely high on David Shaw. I think he's one of the best coaches in college football. I really do. I mean, it's best offensive minds in college football. I I do. And I think he did a great job for a decade at Stanford. But it's got to the point where he just wasn't the guy that really wanted to me to do recruiting in the era of all these new things that were going on. And then Stanford didn't help him. They were late allowing early enrollees. You couldn't offer guys until way late. I mean, most kids are committed before Stanford even give them an official offer. You know, they were just really slow to adapt and their roster got depleted. But when you watch this era, they're, they're, these kids play hard. 
They really do. Even in even in like the USC game where they just got annihilated. It was like 42 to 10 at halftime, yeah. 49 to 10 at halftime, something like that. But they came out the second half and played hard. They did. You know, and and you know, Washington and Cal last week. I mean, Cal smack that game should have been way a way bigger blowout than it was when you look at how the game played. But the Stanford kids just competed for some mistakes and different things like that. So that's something where I'm really impressed with what Troy Taylor has done because, you know, like, for example, we're seeing in, in Colorado right now, if you want to kind of use that as an example, because that's probably the – would you say the two worst teams in the Pac-12? Would you say – well, two of the three. Arizona State's in that conversation as well. Yeah. Those are two of the three worst teams in the Pac-12. When When I watch Arizona State – and when I watch Stanford, they're playing a lot harder for their coaches right now than the kids at Colorado are. Just a fact. That's very fair. That's very Just fair, a yeah. fact. Yeah. And and so that says something to me. That tells me if this guy can recruit at all, he's going to have a chance to do when we, something. When we get... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When we get to the offense too, Brian, like I really like his scheme. I really do. I think that he's a really good offensive mind. I like Troy Taylor's scheme. Again, it's about getting the offensive line in the right spot, getting some more playmakers out there. Like you just need right. more talent on the roster, but I really do like Troy Taylor's scheme. I, yeah. I think coach golden even talked about it a little bit, but like it's very, it's complex, but like simple at the same time, right? Like you're not asking guys to do like these exotic things, but you're just doing it out of a bunch of different looks. And you're really just trying to like make guys guess wrong. And you're giving a lot of eye candy, a lot of pre-snap motion. We'll get into obviously the offense for, for you know Stanford, but I really do like Troy Taylor as an offensive mind, and I think that he, I think guys are, even though they're getting their butts kicked in some games, I, I think they're playing very hard and giving a lot of effort on the field. So yeah, I, 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 I am optimistic about the Troy Taylor era yeah. in Stanford. I think that he'll turn it around if he gets. Agree. There. It, it's just going to come down to the recruiting part, right? Right. I mean, that's what you're saying, right? It's it's can he build the talent and at, to level to where it needs to be because if you can improve the talent with the way these and there is there are some younger guys to build around you know what i mean like the, you know the quarterback's yeah. got some abilities a young kid young ish yeah. kid uh yeah. with a big arm good athleticism he just he's just kind of raw he just needs work he's the kind of kid that by his senior year would have been a dude under david shaw who is a very good developer of quarterbacks we'll see if troy taylor can do the same thing you know the Ali Al- 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 Mayor kid the wide receiver 
He's a yep. what second year player, I believe. So there's yes. some young talent to build around. They just and the problem is for Stanford, it's a, it's it's going to be a long build because they can't go to the portal and rebuild yep. their roster the way that other teams can. They just can't. They're not going to go out and you know Sam Hartman's not going to Wake Forest from Wake Forest to Stanford type of thing, right? So it's going to be tougher for them to build it build it around. And yep. and then the other question is, and Brandon Plesner just kind of noted to this: Will he get the support at Stanford to build the the team back up? That's the other legitimate question. Will Stanford support sure. a, a build of the football program? That I I don't know. That I don't know. But so, like you said, twenty twenty four recruiting class. It's pretty good for Stanford. I mean, they're off to a good start. I mean, they got guys like Benedict Ume. They got Elijah Brown out there, obviously, the quarterback out of modern day. They got some they got some pretty good players in that class. I mean, I'm I'm excited about the recruiting that they're doing on the 2024 class so far. And you mentioned it, Brian. Like they do have some young cats playing. Like, I mean, they even have Tyra Bachmeyer playing at wide receiver. Yeah. Obviously, we know his younger brother Barrel freshman in this chat. Yeah, I mean, a true freshman. Yeah. So he's playing pretty well. And they have also have, I know that Benjamin Yorsek's been banged up. They have that young Roush kid at tight end who's been playing pretty well in his place. Mm-hmm. You know, they have some receptions. So they have some young cats that are playing. So, yeah, man, I think that they, uh, they're they heading in the right direction. It's just going to be a long rebuilding process, I think is the best way to say it. Uh, I would say they have a chance to go in the right direction. I, I, I don't know that I could say they're heading in the right direction yet because, again, it just comes down to will he even be allowed to take it in the right direction. That's a question that we have. Whenever we're talking Stanford football, that's always a question we have to ask ourselves. Because the fact is, is that's part of the reason David Shaw was not successful down the part. One of the reasons, it's not the only one, is because as the game changed, Stanford was unwilling willing to change with it and was resistant to it. Will that will that be different now? I, I don't I don't know. But if the school supports him, Ryan, a hundred percent agree with you. Troy Taylor is going to be able to build this thing up to where they're at least com- competitive. And and what like I don't I don't I think the era of Stanford being a a powerhouse like they were under Harbaugh and Shaw is over. I just think the landscape of college football has changed in a way where it's just going to be impossible for him to for them to be that team again. I just I just don't see how it happens again. But I do think they can get back to maybe being what Stanford used to be back in the day, where they were just kind of that spunky West Coast team that, you know, would would go win six to eight games every year and then occasionally have that really good team that was veteran laden that went out and won 10 plus games. I think they can at least be that again. I I do. It's just going to take some time for him to get there. Let's dive into right now uh, where the Stanford Cardinal are. And we'll take a look at their schedule, Ryan. As you can see, uh, yep. they are a three and eight football team. And let me see here. Am I doing that correctly? Three, one, two, three, four, five, six, yep. seven, eight, nine, ten. Am I missing a game? I think I might be missing a game on their schedule, Ryan. Give me a this second. This is their last game of the season. Correct. Right? I mean, this is their last yeah. game of the year. So I am missing the Oregon game. So the week before uh, they played. So the week before their September seventh bye week on September thirtieth, they played Oregon and lost forty-two to six. I was going to say it's okay. They want to forget that game too, so it's fine. It's fine for they're real. Okay for they're real. Okay so they're a yeah. three and eight football team. Uh, you've you've got you've lost four of your last five. Your only win was over a really struggling Washington State team. They won ten to seven. Uh, that has been probably one of the biggest disappointments of the season for me. 
is how Washington just state just kind of fell apart over the yeah. last month. Although they did bounce back with a destructive destruction of Colorado this past weekend, but they, uh, they've been very oh, disappointing. Stanford did get a win over them at home or I mean at Washington state. Uh, but of course their last two games have been double digit losses. They battled against Washington, never felt they had any chance of winning, but they just kept competing and never yeah. went away. And the one difference though, Ryan, and why I think that Notre Dame, the Notre Dame game will more, will be more so like Oregon and UCLA and Oregon state than what it was against Washington or teams like that is Washington's defense doesn't make this kind of stops that you need to make, in my opinion, or at, at times they don't. Whereas Oregon, Arizona state, Oregon state and Notre Dame, excuse me, not Arizona state uh, or Oregon state and Notre Dame all have really good defenses. And that, and that's when Stanford gets into trouble is when they play good defenses. But as you can see, they're not a great football team. And then you look at the numbers and this is this paints a really ugly picture, Ryan. Yeah. This yeah. paints a really ugly picture. It does. Cause I mean, there was a, I quantified it like this. There were like two good offensive outings for Stanford this year, but otherwise for that, it was just been a whole lot of 15 points or less. <laughs> like that's just kind of how this team has felt, you know, and they, it's like consistency, right? Well, this team isn't very good at running the ball, but you know what else they're not very good at? throwing the ball that well either so at least they're consistent of not being a great football team and you know, talking offensively here only 20.4 points per game which is obviously only 113th in the country 92nd overall with 350.7 yards per game rushing attack has been not great i mean it wasn't very good last year either going into the notre dame game you know another conversation for another day but i think the biggest thing for me brian is that you look at this team, though, you know, from an offensive perspective, just kind of focusing here. And, like, even with Benjamin Yorsak banged up, they, they still do have a couple guys offensively where I'm like, you know, that's a pretty talented kid. You know, you like you mentioned, you know, the the um, A.O. Menor kid, the wide receiver that went for over 300 against Colorado. He's almost got 1,000 yards, only 55 catches. You talk, I talked about the Roush kid, the other tight end that's playing in place of Yorsak that I thought has been playing pretty well. You have E.J. Smith that – if that kid could ever stay healthy, might actually be a pretty good running back on the college level. You talk about Tiger Bachmeyer, but unfortunately, offensive line is pretty rough, and I think that that is that's exemplified here in these stats, right? Like you have given up 37 sacks already this year. Your yards per carry average is very low, only 3.4 yards per carry offensively. It's just a really bad offensive team to start the conversation out there. I just I'm still kind of chuckling at your. Hey, we can't run the ball, but at least we can't throw it either. <laughs> um, it's very true. It's very true. And it's yep. that's been the thing that's been so wild, Ryan, is because they are they have that was like the offense is kind of what what they were known for because of yep. the quarterbacks, right? And the running backs. They were just like every year they'd have some different guy running for a thousand yards, and they went through a stretch of of about three years where you could argue nobody in college football produced the kind of running back production that Stanford did. When you look at the Christian McCaffrey, uh, Bryce Here Young, runner. Bryce Love, excuse me, back to back stretch. And that, you know, that was, that preceded a string of game of seasons with like, you know, uh, 
Tyler Gaffney ran for over 1,700 yards. Stefan Taylor ran for over 1,500 yards one year, over 1,300 a year. Over, yeah. yeah, Toby Gerhardt was a was a Heisman finalist in another year. Like, yeah. he had Andrew Luck was a number one overall pick. But the thing that often gets lost about Stanford during that stretch is they had really good defenses, too. And they were just a balanced football team. And then you could argue they're balanced as well. They're equally yes. bad in every phase of the well, game. Well, what else, what else they were built on offensively, too, was they used to have some really good offensive lines, man. Like, you think about guys like David DeCastro and, and Cameron Fleming. And, like, they had some uh, – Josh Arnett, like, Andrews Pete. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. They had some dudes up front, man. But you're right. When they were at their heyday, they were built off of physical running teams, you know, downhill running teams offensively, and then really stout defenses. I mean, I still right. remember the Shane Scove, Trent Murphy yes. teams, which just like that team was nasty, Thomas man. And, they were yes, physical. Yes. Like they were so yes. physical. They weren't like the most supremely talented defensive unit all the time, but they were so incredibly physical and they were nasty. Like they mm-hmm. just want to Shane Scove went to the I think his pro day and ran like a 5140 yes. 240 pound linebacker but I would not want to play that dude on some Saturdays so he was a bad dude man he was yeah. a bad bad dude with a number 11 walking yes. the 11 with that eye paint like he was a scary guy he was a really scary dude that is not staying for football anymore there I, is I want to interrupt people real quick Ryan is not being hyperbolic about yeah. his Shane Scoff comment he literally Ran a 5.09. Cause like sometimes we'll say, like, yeah. well, if you run a 5-1 and you say it like hyperbolically, like no division one skill. Okay. No, he literally ran a 5-1. He ran a 5-1. But yeah. he was na- like you said, I'm watching Tom Brady make a comment today, and he's talking about what's wrong with the NFL nowadays. Yeah. And he said, like, he said what I've said on the show. He's like, look, you look at guys at Ray Lewis and 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 Ronnie Lott and guys like that that were great players, Rodney Harrison, like every hit that they made would be illegal now. But the point, the thing that he said was, I would never throw over the middle of the field when I played Ray Lewis because I didn't want my guys knocked out and I couldn't afford to have my guys miss future games, right? That was kind of Shane Scov when it came – like, I'm not running between the tackles because I don't want to get my my court, my running back destroyed by Shane Scov because that team, Ryan, even when you beat them, you were limping away from that fight. Yeah, that's the thing that I loved about those Stanford teams. I hated it, but I also loved it. I, re- well, I shouldn't say loved it. I respected about it. I hated it because they were a rival and they kept beating Notre Dame. But even when you beat them, you limped away from that fight, man, because they were going to battle you for 60 minutes. And to watch what they've become is just its kind of sad. Yeah. Well, they, they went. Do you remember the in the best portion of the defenses under Gary Patterson? Do you remember when they had like the tank carter kid and tanner brock and those dudes like it's the same feel man like they were just built off of just being physically dominant inside and being good enough outside right like good enough you know like they weren't stellar ever defensively at stanford on the outside like they had good players but they you know they weren't great players they had like the uh, alex carter who was a good football player they you know they've had some good corners but no stars necessarily they were built from the inside out the Trent Murphys of the world that you already talked about. Uh, what was that one kid? They had a big defensive end that was kind of the same, similar-ish to Trent Murphy. I can't remember his name. But he stuck in the Chase NFL Thomas? for a long time. No, not Chase Thomas. He was like an outside linebacker type. I'm, there was a they, they had a big like three four defensive end that was like six Harrison five. Phillips? Six, no, he was a he was an inside guy. tackle. Yeah, he was an. Inside, I, I'll was remember funny. it and pop it up at some point here. But they've had Trent those guys. Murphy? 
Not Trent Murphy. No, Trent was a little no, bit more I, of an I said outside. You played player. with him. You're talking about a three-four defensive end, right? And yeah, back in the I, day, not Thomas Booker, but like back in the day when they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple, a few years before Thomas Booker. As soon as I say it, you're going to be mad. I know. I know. Did you I know, talking about Solomon it. Thomas? No, no, not Solomon Thomas. Is he Shitu? No. Henry Anderson. Henry Anderson. Henry yeah. Anderson's the guy I was thinking of. Yeah, he was like a 6'6", 280 pounds. But, just like but what's the point of what defense. we just said, Ryan? We just went through yeah. three different years and mentioned three different players that played a similar position that all had 13, 14 tackles for loss before yeah. we finally got to the guy that you were thinking of. That yeah. That's the point. Yes. It was like a different dude every year that just stepped into the starting lineup and became a dude. Right. And yes, correct. It, it, it was, yeah. it was fun to watch those teams. And I, I think Henry Anderson's still hanging around in the NFL because why? Because he was built what Stanford was built off of. It was just being tough and relentless and physical. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's, that's the biggest thing. Cause I think that Troy Taylor is going to get the offense in a much better place moving forward. Cause he is an offensive guy and I really like his scheme, but defensively, are they going to be able to fix this? Cause yeah. you're letting up 36 points a game, which is 129th. And I believe there's 133 teams in the FBS. Right. So you are, almost dead last as you are with letting up 456 yards per game offensively passing yards you're letting up over three bills a game and i know yeah. guys like I, I i i understand the fact of pac-12 has some really good quarterbacks right some really good quarterback play but if you're letting up three bills every single week on average you are a terrible terrible pass defense yeah. and that's what stanford is right now This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep? Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Irish. Well, and, and that's the thing, Ryan, is you can scheme – Brian Ke one thing Brian Kelly said that was very true is, look, you can scheme your way into success on offense to a degree. You still need players, but you can scheme your way into success. Defense is much more about do you have dudes or not, right? Like people can say, you know, Al Golden's done this, and I, would, and I said in the show yesterday, Notre Dame doesn't have a lot of day one NFL guys on their roster. You know, they've, they've got some day two guys, but a lot of their guys are day three guys, but they're still really good football players that are experienced. It's not like they got a bunch of, you know, slow guys that you're just coaching them into success. There's some talent there, but it's not elite talent, which speaks, which is where you give credit, but they're still NFL guys on the roster. When you look at Stanford, Ryan, I, they're a long way away from recruiting those guys. And the problem is, is they did so much of it natural nationally. You know, Henry Anderson, you talked about, was from Atlanta, Georgia. Peter Kalambaya, yeah. remember him? He was a really good yeah. player as well. He was from North Carolina. Uh, James Vauders, who was a really good starting linebacker for them, uh, was from Georgia. Uh, Aziz Shitu was a Cali kid, but Solomon Thomas was a Texas kid. Harrison Phillips was from Nebraska. Uh, Trent Murphy was from Arizona. Chase Thomas was from Georgia. They got uh, – remember, like you, you're right, they never had any elite DBs, 
but they had a lot of good ones. Good ones you yeah. think of Alex Carter, oh, Justin Carter. Reed, um, you know, who was from Louisiana, who they beat Notre Dame for. And Notre Dame's rise is one of the reasons Stanford is struggling too, because a lot of the kids that are those high academic kids, um, who's the kid that they, the cornerback that uh, Paulson Adebo Paulson is another Adebo. guy that they beat yep. Notre Dame for. And, uh, you know, so those are the things that were, were frustrating is they were, they were getting those kids that were otherwise going to Notre Dame and that was hurting Notre Dame, but I don't know that they can do that anymore. And that's the, the defensively, and that's going to be the concern. And they're the baseline on defense is just so low right now. Yeah. Like they just have a long way to go before yeah. they're going to become that team. And, and offensively, Ryan, I could see within two years, this being a 30 plus point per game team. I could see that within two years. To you know, by let's say by 2025 at, at the latest, they could be a 30 point. They got a lot more work to do on the other side of the ball. Agree. Because as you said, and and part of the reason they that that their run defense is as good as it is, if we're being honest, is because they've played teams that don't run the football very well, and teams run on them so much that it's kind of inflated their numbers. Like Washington over only ran for 91 yards on them, you know, and and Washington State only ran for four yards against them. Well, Washington state has one of the worst rushing offenses in college football right now. I mean, I actually, I think they're, they're 131st and you know, who's 132nd Colorado. So like, yeah. that's part of the reason that their, their numbers are even what they are because they've played a bunch of teams that just don't run the football. And sure. because they're so bad at, at stopping the pass that teams just choose really not to do that, to be honest with you. And so I'm looking at their schedule now. Oh, I'm sorry. They played the three worst rushing defenses in the country, or rushing offenses in the country, because I, I didn't even look below Colorado. And the mm-hmm. team that's in last place is Hawaii, who had oh, minus five. Minus. Yes. Hawaii mm-hmm. had minus five rushing yards against Colorado or against Stanford. You know, so Oregon State runs the ball. They went for 277. UCLA runs the ball. They went for 221. Oregon runs the ball. They went for 208. But they averaged 7.3 yards per carry against them. USC runs the ball. They went for 180 and averaged 6.4. So teams that actually try to run the ball have run the ball effectively against them. So they're, they actually don't have that good of a rush defense yeah. compared to what their numbers are. It's just when you play the three worst rushing offenses in college football <laughs> and another team that you play, Washington ranks 102nd, it's going to inflate your numbers a little bit. USC ranks 91st. Wow. They have really stopped running the ball lately, haven't they? Jeez, Louise, I just saw that. So anyway, even even their one decent stat that gets them borderline top 50 isn't really that good of a stat when you look mm-hmm. at it in context of who they've played and, yeah. and what any decent team that tries to run the ball has done against them. So it's a it, it really is a problem. It's, it's a little bit of a problem, man. And there's not as many – like I, I talk about it offensively too. Like the A.O. Manor kid – he can get me excited for the future, right? Tiger Bachmeyer, they get me excited for the future. There's not a lot of guys on Stanford's defense that like get me super pumped up. Like I think that the defensive end, the pass rusher David Bailey they have, I think that kid's a stud talent. I think he's a really, really talented kid. Other than that, though, I'm like it's a modern day kid. Yeah. Yeah. And he I mean he's a really good player. Like he's very talented. He's been a little bit banged up, but he's their top sack man, even though missing a yeah. game or two. But yeah. He's very talented. I don't think he's played the last couple games, has he? Because I don't remember seeing him in their last couple games, watching their last couple games. I know I he hasn't I don't started. Think he has. Yeah, yeah, their last couple, yeah. Ryan. 
but yes. he's he's very talented though. He's extremely talented. Yeah. And he's he suffered a little bit this year too, Ryan, from compared to last year. Even even in the nine games he's played, or actually I think he's played seven games. He had six tackles for loss. We had four of them against USC or against Hawaii, and he only had two yeah. in the game since because he's the only weapon they have. That what you were seeing when you go break down some of the early films, teams are just and and like directing their entire protection scheme to making sure he didn't stop them. Right. You know what I mean? And so like that makes it harder for him to even put up the numbers because everybody's like, well, that's the only guy that can get any pressure on us. So we got to make sure our protection scheme is geared towards stopping him. It doesn't take away from what you, what you said is actual fact. He's a really twitchy, impactful edge rusher who in, in just one and a really just one and a half season at Stanford uh, has, you know, some really good tat. He's like, I don't know, like 15, 16 tackles for loss, six, seven sacks when he's the only pass rusher. So, you know, and, and, there, and the funny thing, too, is there's some guys on there that Notre Dame tried to recruit, you know, that, that are starting for them. Tristan Sinclair is a guy that Notre Dame tried to recruit, um, yeah. you know, that plays for them. So there's a couple of those guys. But you, it used to be when you'd watch their team play, Ryan, their roster was just loaded with guys that Notre Dame wanted. And you're like, yeah. man, if only we could have got that guy. And I look at their roster now, and I'm like, I don't really see that anymore. You know, like there's a couple guys that Notre Dame looked at early that they dropped. The Taviti kid is a kid that Notre Dame looked at, but they didn't really push for him. You know, it's just they're just not that team anymore where you look at them and you're like, man, if only Notre Dame could have got that guy. They even beat Notre Dame right. for an in-state kid. Remember, they flipped a, a kid from Indiana. I'm trying to remember his uh, edge rusher, big, tough, physical kid. Oh, what the heck was his name? You and I are drawing blanks here today, man. What was that kid's name? It was a while ago. So, yeah, what was his name? He was like kind of a, a solid role player for them. Let me go find it. I think it was like early in Kelly's tenure. Might even been at the end of the Charlie Weiss era. Let me go find it. Who was that kid? I'll find it at some point in time. Blake Luters. That's who it was. Ah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was Got an it. Indiana kid that Notre Dame looked for. He was a good, solid role player for that. But you're just like, man, you're even getting beat for in-state kids. Mm-hmm. You know, you got beat by for Tom Carter's kid pick Stanford over you. Like it got to the point where I was like, man, yeah, they're killing Notre Dame. But that's like, changed. It was, it was like it was like Washington and Stanford for a few years. Oh yeah, hey man, they just keep kicking your butt a little yes. bit. Like, yes. what's happening? When with yeah. Washington, it was primarily for corners. It's yeah. just like every year Notre Dame had a corner they liked, and then Washington would take him until they flipped the script on Jimmy Lake and, and Mike Mickens showed up and beat him for Benjamin Morrison. But uh yeah, it was um it was just it's just weird looking at him now, Ryan. And you're just like half the guys in the starting lineup. I was like, I have no idea who that kid is. I have no idea who that kid is. I have no idea who that kid is. Like that kid was never even on Notre Dame's radar. And you're just yeah. like, I don't know where this guy came from. And yeah. it's yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I'm not going to lie to you. It's kind of a bummer. But I do think their receiving core is one area where if they can figure some O-line stuff around, actually, like you said, not just Tyler, Tyler Buckmeyer and and, uh, and Alec Alamayor, but but Bryce Farrell's a nice little player too. you know. And then, of course, if they can get their tight end situation back the, back on track and get those guys healthy, and you know they'll always be able to recruit tight ends. But there, there's some at least some stuff to work with there. But they've had so like John Humphreys has been banged up. He's a really talented kid. That this have that's another thing too is they've had so many injuries to their good players the last couple of years. Like Michael Wilson, I mean, you're always like, man, if they could keep that kid healthy, boy, 
goodness gracious, he's going to be a good player. And, and, he, and he ends up going to the third round. He's contributing in the NFL right. for the Arizona Cardinals because right. he's a good player. Good right. Yeah. But he could just never stay healthy at Stanford. That's something, too, yeah. that Troy Taylor is going to have to figure out because their strength conditioning program is not has not been great. It has not been great. And they're going to have to yep. figure that out. Yeah. So that's Stanford, Ryan. That's the Cardinal. Um, I mean, guys, look, we're we're not we're not going to sugarcoat it for you. We're not going to tell you like, hey, guys, this is a this is a really good football team, and as long as Notre Dame wins, that's a good thing, <laughs> right, guys? They're not good. They're not very talented. Yes, we love what Troy Taylor's doing. I, I really do. I think that was a great hire. They needed new blood. As much as I love David Shaw, it just was it was time to move on. You know, for whatever reason. Yeah, he just was unwilling to make the necessary changes in his staff to fix things. Yep. And, um, you know, it, it was time for a, a change. And and this is what, it, what, what's, what they did to me is similar to what a lot of these teams like Michigan State need to be doing too, Ryan, is look for that FCS guy that has a D1 background and get that guy. Don't, don't get this re, – don't retread some other, you know – guy that's that's failed at other places or some name go find a guy that's just a really good flipping football coach and any of california ties obviously right yeah. like sacramento yeah. states obviously he's recruited yeah. the area so he has those contacts and all that right. type of stuff too, and so. he coached in the pac-12 in the past i mean he was the oc at utah in 17 and 18 he'd been an oc at, at eastern washington uh back when they were really good and he'd like you said he he coached it he was a high school football coach for a decade over a decade in the state of California, coached at Cal for a number of years, got his coaching start. Actually, his first full-time coaching job was at Cal back in 1996, and he was there until 2000. That was, I believe, the Jeff. I believe the Jeff Tedford era. I believe I could be wrong on that, but I thought, I thought that was the Jeff Tedford era. Let me go back and look at that real quick, right? Because it could have been right before the Tedford era. It all kind of bleeds together. No, it was right, but it was before the Tedford era because Tedford started in 2000. It was Tom Holmos who was their head coach back then, um, you know. But but to your point, he's he's a West Coast guy. He's from California. He's he's you know played college ball at Cal. Was a fourth round NFL draft pick. Um, you know has been in the West Coast his whole life, and he's a guy that came from a smaller school background. You know he was at Utah for two years. That was his only two years as an OC or head coach in the Pac-12. He was an assistant at Cal, like I mentioned, but. Those those are the guys that I think can turn programs like that around because because of exactly what Troy Taylor is. I don't know what kind of recruiting he's going to do. We'll have to find that out. Stanford actually had landed some really good recruits in this class. They've had some flip because of how bad they are, but they landed some guys. But here's one thing I know. That guy can coach. He yeah. can coach, and that Stanford team is going to be coached well. You just got to find and think of the right talent. That's more schools need to be making moves like that. Look what it did. Look what Kansas State tried to replace Bill Snyder before. They replaced him with Ron Prince, who was a name in coaching. Disaster. Disaster. Yeah. And then Bill Snyder comes back and they replace him with who? Chris Kleiman. What was who's Chris Kleiman? Really good one double A football Dakota coach. State. Yep. Right. Yep. Really good one double A football coach. And now look at K-State. That's a good football team. So more and more schools, in my opinion, need to be going to find those kind of guys as opposed to just the you know, retreading. Gus Malzahn and and these other coaches like that. That that's program builders. Yes, program builders. Yes, it's yes. a great yeah. way of putting it, Ryan. Yeah. And that's what Stanford did. Now, will it work at the end? I don't know because I just don't. Stanford's a unique. Stanford and Cal are unique animals, man. Very yeah. unique animals. Be just because of the nature of the places where they are and 
and um, the academic aspects. There's just a lot of things that go into it. But this guy's a good football coach. But at, but at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter because this Notre Dame football team is way more talented than Stanford. <laughs> I would argue, honestly, Ryan, this is probably of the FBS teams they've played. This is probably the second worst roster that they'll face. Would you would you say they have better players in Central Michigan, top to bottom? Yes. Yeah, okay. I would. Yeah, yeah. It's not and like, but it's it's not by like a crazy amount. You though. had to think yeah, about it for a second, Ryan. You had to pause for a second to think about it. And I'll be honest, they have an overall better roster than Tennessee State, obviously. But sure, I I I have Tennessee State. If David Bailey doesn't play. Tennessee State's front seven concerns me more than Stanford's. Just gonna say it. Just gonna say it. You know, I believe it. Yeah. So and this the, is just not a good football team. There's depth. There's probably like six or seven guys on the Tennessee State roster that if they became available, like would help Stanford yes. a yes. lot. <laughs> like they would help well, them. corners. I mean, they're Price corners. Start there. Yeah, yeah that one safety. There. What's that kid's name? The, the Josh Green. Josh yes. Green. Yes. Yeah. He could play at Stanford if not start at Stanford. Yes. So yes, there are they, they are they are in a bad a bad place, yeah, yeah, bad place. Which means yep. Notre Dame cannot mess around this weekend. Come out fast, come out strong. Put your foot on the throat. Let's let's not leave any doubt on this one, right? So yeah. that's Stanford, though, folks. That's Stanford Notre Dame matchup, obviously coming this weekend. And uh, yeah, man, it's gonna be gonna be an interesting one uh, brian uh, trivia que- uh, question for you before okay. we you know move on so uh, it's on pac-12 network as everyone knows if notre dame plays stanford on the pac-12 network and nobody watches did the game actually get played <laughs> <laughs> if notre dame plays a tree and nobody if nobody watches did it actually happen they, if they take the tree uh, yeah. to a forest and they play yeah. a forest, will will did that forest actually? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's yes, the game still would be played. I I have no idea the mechanics or the mechanisms that allowed this game to be put on the Pac-12 network, but yeah. I would not be happy if I was Notre Dame at all. Because what was one of the big reasons why the Pac-12 network failed? Because they couldn't they couldn't get anyone to carry it. Like that was the whole problem. Like they kept getting these stupid negotiations and they couldn't get everybody to anybody to, to carry it. And they just, they just went under. I let, uh, if you'd have told me that Larry Scott was a plant by the big 10 to cause the PAC 12 network to PAC 12 to fail so that they could raid the big 10. I just said, I have no evidence of it, Yeah, but I also can look at his tenure and say, you know, but I can't. I can't really point to reasons why you're not. At. I used to. I used to joke about that as a Broncos fan, because remember one of the coaches that used to just really whoop Bill Belichick's butt year after year almost was Mike Shanahan with the right. Broncos. Like they always had success against the all, 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 uh, Patriots, and then they got rid of Shanahan and who replaces him? Josh McDaniels. And I always said, I swear, Josh McDaniels was a plant by Bill Belichick to tear down the Bronco franchise, and. It's With the exception genius. of the couple years of Gary Kubiak, who brought the Mike Shanahan way back, the Broncos have never been the same since then. Yeah. So yeah, you, I can't prove it's true, but you can't prove that it's not. <laughs> he, he, he let McDaniel's to the to the Raiders to continue that downfall as well. So yeah, man, maybe maybe Josh McDaniel's just the plan to make. Maybe that's right. why all Bill Belichick's assistant coaches are never really that good of head coaches right. anywhere else. Cause they're just plants to make sure that the rest of the league doesn't catch up to you. I don't even know they have caught up to him now, but regardless, 
little bit of a tangent there. We're getting into a mailbag next. Make sure before we get there, hit that like button for us. Subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening to on YouTube, make sure you hit that notification bell so you know when the next show is going to come up. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, five-star reviews are very much appreciated. We're going to get into the mailbag next here on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.